Are you one of the only on your job? Do you wonder why the same type of people continue getting promotions? Have you dreamed of getting to the top but don't know how? Welcome to Secrets, a podcast devoted to showcasing dilemmas faced by underrepresented employees in their quest to climb the career ladder. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, have experienced the corporate grind for more than 20 years. Now they want to share adventures, pitfalls, and C-suite secrets that they've learned along the way. So let's fill up those cups and get started. Hey everybody, welcome to Secrets. We're getting through all this election shenanigans right now, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. So Ricky, what's happening? What's going on, brother? Hey man, well hey, I'm thinking a little bit about like us catching up recently with some people who were asking us questions. You know, we, in the midst of us doing the speaking engagements and speaking at the employee resource groups and whatnot, we had some people who were asking us questions about how were we able to climb the ladder and still be true to who we are. And make no mistake, they weren't talking about being your authentic self. And, And we'll touch on that topic in later episodes. What they were actually speaking about is like, the code switching thing, right? Oh, like how yeah. to, you know, oh, being yeah. in corporate America, how do you keep your your speech one way in the boardroom or with the executives, mm-hmm. but then come back home and still have credibility in the hood, whatever the hood is. In the means. street, whatever that <laughs> yeah, means. Yeah, right? your street cred. So that that's kind of what they were speaking to us about is like the code switching thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. And and code switching has been around for a long time. I mean, I was reminded of this this article, the book actually that W. E. Du Bois wrote that alluded to this concept of code switching more than a century ago. And he wrote about the fact that African Americans had to reckon with dual identities, their blackness and their Americanness. And let me stop you real quick. W. E. B. Uh, du Bois. Uh Alpha man, of course. Oh, but, of course. But I'll let you keep going. There. Yeah, yeah, but I'll let you keep going. That's right. And he was talking about this dual identity while also navigating everyday whiteness in his book, The Souls of Black Folks. Mm. Ricky, listen to this paragraph. He was, he was dropping some gems. Back then. Back then, century ago. It is a particular sensation, this double consciousness, this sense of always looking at oneself through the eyes of others, of measuring one's soul by the tape of a world that looks on in an amused contempt and pity. One ever feels his two-ness, an American, a Negro. Two souls, two thoughts, two unreconciled thrivings, two warring ideas in one dark body whose dogged strength alone keeps her from being torn asunder. Wow. I mean... (laughs) it's like that is like deep Deep. you know but back then that was a century ago it was something like think about today yeah that that is still extremely relevant today absolutely but the code switching dilemma man it it, i mean it really is a dilemma right it's on one hand it's should we suppress our cultural identity for the sake of career success Mm. or should we sacrifice potential career advancement for the sake of bringing our whole selves to work. That's a real dilemma there, brother. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, do you be true to yourself? And I know some people think you're selling out or whatever. We're not here to try to sell you on one way or the other Yeah. today. I mean, that's not at all what we're trying to do. But this is a real dilemma on who do you bring to work we're and maybe even battling how you, it, right? Yep. And how you 
what speech idiom do you use? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, every day, That's right? right? And at some point it almost becomes just natural and you just do it and don't even realize that you're right, doing it, right? right? But it may be helpful for our listeners to, just to define code switching for those who don't know, and I'm sure a lot of us do, but just as a reminder, code switching in, involves adjusting one style of speech, appearance, behavior, and expression in ways that will optimize the comfort of others in exchange for fair treatment, quality service, and employment opportunities. So you're making it feel comfortable for other people. Absolutely. Basically. That's what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. So look, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about this episode. So today we're going to discuss a few things for you. We're going to share personal stories on how we've had to coach, which during our careers will also provide for you some of the potential negative outcomes of code switching in the workplace. We'll then provide some receipts, as we always do, on how code switching impacts underrepresented employees. And then we'll close out with, again, a double dose of secrets on how you and companies can tackle code switching in the workplace. Yeah, so this is going to be a great episode. I'm looking forward to it. And so just to kick us off, you know, I was reading a uh, Harvard Business Review article recently, and it identified three main reasons why people code switch in the workplace. The first reason, especially for black people and other racial minorities, downplaying membership in a stigmatized racial group helps increase perceptions of professionalism and the likelihood of being hired. <laughs> yeah. So we got to talk different and act different and walk a little different to convey professionalism or, or to fit in, to fit right? in. Right. Right. We see it all the time. I mean, it's not just in the code switching, like with the language, it's from what you might wear, from your hair to yes. all of those types of things. This is a form, you know, of code switching. For sure. A second reason why people uh, code switch is avoiding negative stereotypes associated, especially with black racial identity, i.e. incompetence or laziness. People look at you and automatically assume that you're incompetent or lazy. But we code switch so that we can be seen as leaders. Right, right. At the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think when people see you as maybe an athlete or something like that, they automatically assume that you didn't do the schoolwork yourself. Somebody probably did it for you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, yep. like you were there to make money for the school, meaning somebody profited off of you. For sure. You know, and you didn't That's get right. it. But people don't realize you did have to get into the That's school. Right. You, had, right. you had to get in and you, you still you had to do have the work to, to stay. And you had to take the SAT and the ACT just like they did. You had to do a lot of those things. But again, you code switch at times to, I think we've seen people do it all the time where they dummy things down a bit to make them fit in and not to seem too smart or too intelligent, yep, yep. overqualified, right. or to just kind of be able to feel like they could be part of the team. That's so right. again, that's right. Avoiding the negative stereotypes. Avoiding the negative stereotype. And it goes back to like even that microaggressions episode that we did a while back, that whole you're so articulate. <laughs> exactly. Because I can speak. I have a good command English. of the English language. That's right. I so, mean, give me a break. <laughs> give me a break. And the last reason why people code switch in the workplace is a way of expressing shared interests with members of dominant groups. So that promotes a similarity with those groups and raises the chances actually of promotions because individuals tend to affiliate with people that they perceive who are similar. So, you know, being able to talk about football for a minute or whatever the case may be, trying to find something in common right. to assimilate. You know, and it's crazy. I can just remember having interviews and I don't put like on my resume 
played college football or ran mm-hmm. track. But if it comes up from time to time, I've spent time talking with people. And they didn't ask me one behavioral question. It was like asking me questions about sports, asking me questions about oh, this, that, and Or if you're interviewing with somebody and they find out you're in a fraternity or you're on a certain board or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, those have been specific things that have come up from time to time where I was included. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. but we weren't even talking about anything else. But right. again, I had to kind of switch that hat on to appease them yep. to be able to talk That's about right. those things. That's right. Trying to find that, that common time. ground where they feel comfortable, right? Uh, so that you can fit in. But you know, I think I started thinking about like code switching, like when I first even heard it. I can remember hearing my mom or a dad answer the phone. Oh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and you could, like, wait a minute, she must be talking to somebody important. Probably the bill collector. Yeah, yeah, or, or it's somebody important, because oh, she would have, right. shh, 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 in the background, <laughs> y'all be quiet, y'all be quiet. That professional voice, mm-hmm. you know, came on, you'd be like, well, you knew if you was if you said something while she was on that phone doing that? My mom used to say, when it was time to uh, get that whooping and people are around you, <laughs> she was like, we're going to have breakfast in the morning. Like, my friends would be like, man, you lucky. What's your mom cooking for breakfast? Uh, uh, you don't want to eat that. That's right. No, it's a can of whoop ass. <laughs> you that don't want to eat that, you know? <laughs> but I could hear her voice changing mm-hmm. when she was on the phone. And then when she got off the phone, she would be right back in our tails. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yep, like right it was, back at it. it. But it was, it was different. But you started realizing that was the outside voice or yes. the public voice versus the family voice. But although we're joking about it, I can tell you some of those lessons probably saved my life. Oh, for sure. You know, right. For sure. And, just and, like the talk. Yeah. The talk. And I'm thinking about it like the same thing I try to tell my younger family members is it's tough when you're DWB driving while black mm-hmm. and you might get pulled over. And I got to make sure I, I'm on my P's and Q's. I'm driving for sure. big red when I get pulled over. Can't be for speed, not in big red, but no. I get I get pulled over. But again, I have on my chucks. Yep. I have on some some shorts or some sweatpants. I have on a white tee. They automatically now they have no, no idea. idea that you a VP of HR. <laughs> you no a man. idea who I what I do. That's right. But I have to kind of turn on something different. Yes. I have to turn the music down. Mm-hmm. I have to do certain things. Try to change the pitch of your voice because again, I don't want any issues now. I don't want to at all give anyone the impression that by code switching, it could have saved a life or it might save a oh, life sure. or anything for like sure. that. I mean, look, there's no excuse for any of the senseless killings that that's we've right. seen. That's right. All this brutality that's yeah. going on. Throughout time, not just in 2020, right. throughout time. There's no excuse for it. But I can say that. I'm still here to talk about it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and there's so, a reason that the talk happens for that very reason. It's just a survival mechanism. Yeah. Now, I get it. There's a lot of our listeners who may not have to have the talk with their kids or with people in their family, but we've had to have that. And Keith, I'll even think about it even differently. I mean, we do speaking engagements all the time. Yes. And we ask people, one of the first questions we ask people, Keith, is what? We ask them, who's the audience? <laughs> exactly. Because. And, and what do you want us to talk about? That's right. Yeah, because depending on who the audience is, like, are we going to have like real talk? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be in the living room? Right. Or are we going to be in the boardroom? Yes. You know what I mean? Because That's right. again, at the end of the day, we're going to we bring it different. We can deliver a message, but depending on who that audience is, we may have to switch up the tone. Yes. To be a little bit more impactful. Or to make it so that they can digest it. Mm-hmm. That's really it at the end of the day. For I mean, sure. I was on a panel, a couple of panels like last week, and I asked them, 
which Ricky are you trying to get? Who you want? I, I'm totally cool with whatever. That's right. You know that's what I'm right. saying? Which Ricky are you trying to get? But again, I think that's when we're talking about the code switching. Yes. There's a reason and a rationale behind it. For sure. And I, you know, and for myself personally, I almost consider myself trilingual. <laughs> right. Because I can, I can code switch for the boardroom. I can code switch as a black man, but then I can code switch as an LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, person mm-hmm. and I can tell you that's a whole different community, a whole different language, whole different way of interaction. But that's also required, and you're always making those trade offs. Yeah, because just like being black and that whole incompetence and laziness that comes with being black, being part of the gay community, then there's that whole masculinity leadership flamboyance, all of those things that that come into play that you also have to deal with um, Mm -hmm. of climbing the ladder. So you turn it on, you turn it off when you have to. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day. So No, and and I get it. And it's one of those things where, man, we've just been doing it for so long, we didn't even realize we're doing it most times, right? Just doing it. But but we know like when we're around like our families we end up having to do this stuff. Oh, you know, time. Uh, and, trust me, you catch flack from my family too. You yeah, know, you yeah. start talking a little funny. <laughs> exactly. So look, I want to kind of flip it just a little bit here, right? As yeah. I'm thinking about like even stories of today as I think about it. And we have countless examples of when the majority, when they get a hold of stuff that we do, they try to recreate it, try to make it be their own, right? So in a sense, like they're hijacking like the language yes. or hijacking like the, the culture. Gesture, you the know cultures. what I'm saying? That's, that, right. that's exactly what they're doing. So when we do it, we're being hood. hood. Okay. Or we're being, yeah, we're being ghetto or whatever the case is, right? When they do it, they're being hip. Yes. Yes. Now, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Being hip, you know what I mean? Like, I remember, like, when I would mess up playing basketball or I'd drop a pass playing football or, hey, I don't pass the baton right, yep. I would pat myself pat on the, the chest. chest. You'd be and like, I, my bad. Exactly. Or I would say, my fault. You my know fault, what I'm saying? My bad. Now they saying it. They saying it too. Because before they were like, oh, that's my mistake. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> my apologies. Yeah, that is, but they cool when they say my bad or my fault. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's on me. That's, that's on, on me. me. That's right. right. I also remember, even with some of the language, man, when something was nice or it was yeah. fly, like, oh, that was lit. That like, was lit. Like, the that minute you hear somebody say that was lit. That's Actually. Right. Well, that was fly. <laughs> I heard somebody say the other day, oh, that was fire. Oh, boy. They still in your lines now, Ricky. I said, man, let me look on over here real fast. I gave him that look. I can't raise my eyebrow like the rock, but while I was trying to, right? Mm-hmm. In my mind, I'm like, that's just what they do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's it's just like what they the, do. The daps, the uh, handshakes. Yeah. All the gestures with the hugs. Yeah. Just all that stuff. Y'all weren't doing that before? And y'all trying to out-hip-hop me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they got it now. But again... As we're thinking about all of the ways that we've experienced code switching, and I mean, we're just touching on some the surface on some of these things because I, I mean, it's serious for us. It's, for I sure. mean, it's, it's for sure. It, at some points, it's like a uh, like a survival tactic. Yes, you know totally what I mean. Is. It's and it's 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 the lesser of two evils. But the impact code switching, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, is mentally straining. Yes, it is, and forces you to suppress your authentic self at times. It absolutely right? does. I mean, absolutely again, that, that's the impact. That's like, the impact. It's like sometimes you're doing it, you don't necessarily know you're doing it, but oftentimes you do know you're that's doing right. it. That's right. 
<laughs> but it's almost like when you're in the jungle and you can hear stuff in the woods or whatnot, that survival mechanism just click in and yeah. you're just like, I just got to do what I got to do to survive. Right. Right. Exactly. So, exactly. It is what it is. And I think about the moral of the story, it's really that code switching is a necessity for many underrepresented employees to survive in the workplace. But there's a part of it that's also performative art. In some way that at some point we just got to get through this and bust past it. Otherwise, we're not going to make any progress. No, you're absolutely right. That moral to the story resonates with both of us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, sometimes you just got to move through it. But as we're thinking about this, there are some absolute potential negative outcomes that come from code switching. For sure. Right. And we kind of joked around about it a little while ago. But let's think about it. I mean. Your family's in North Carolina. Mine's yes. in Oklahoma, man. We we talking dirt roads yes, in some yes, places, yes. right? You and know, country accents. Yeah. It, so again, we get accused of acting white all the time. Now, if acting white is having a good command of the English language, mm-hmm. if it's having you a pretty good job, yes, then I'm gonna have to do what I have to do. do. <laughs> <laughs> You need a roof over your head and some food on the table. Like, like, hey, like I tell you. That's a one on the bar. Well, we got to keep that in stock, right? That's right. So, but like I say, I look, money is not everything, and I totally get it. I have been broke and poor. Yes. And that isn't everything either. That's right. Don't want that. (laughs) Exactly. But in all seriousness, the the accusations of acting white because you can kind of switch into, you know, different uh, circles or you may dress a certain way to kind of fit in. Exactly. Or you playing golf or whatever. I mean, all of those things are like part of the All those things. And it's kind of that that bipolar, in my instance, tripolar, you know, Mm -hmm. existence that you have to live in. It's, It's very stressing. On top of that, having the code switch constantly, it can hinder your performance and your ability to concentrate because you're kind of calculating in your mind all the time about how you got to be, how you got to show up. What do I need to say? You're just constantly assessing what's going on around you. You're psychoanalyzing, mm-hmm. you know, the situation. That's right? right. I mean, I think that's a good one. I think the other one for me is like, this shit just gets tiring sometimes, yes. man. It just like <laughs> takes a lot out of you. So you figure if you're like working and doing all of these things, like from, Whatever time in the morning to in the evening, you never really get a chance to kind of turn it off. For sure. I mean, it could be burnout. Totally. Especially if, as we've been talking about this, and I know many of our listeners resonate with this, Mm -hmm. if you are the only. The only. Man. And we've spent most of our careers. Being the only. Being the only. Right, right. I mean, that in itself can lead to burnout. For sure. And and we've talked about it on this episode. It also reduces your ability to just kind of be your authentic self. Mm-hmm. You're constantly, again, you got to talk different. You got to act different. You got to show up differently. And that just is powerful. And think about it. I mean, it's like just with that one alone, you get invited to lunch. Yep. Okay. And they want to talk to you about couscous and something else. So you're like, right. man. On the couscous. <laughs> I kind of just wanted to warm up these ribs I brought with me. Yeah, you know exactly. what I'm saying? That's like, right. You know, my and, little macaroni and cheese that, that I brought. Exactly. Or it's like, look, and I, I haven't had the Popeye's chicken sandwich, but I hear it's good. You know, it everybody, is good, Ricky. It's good. Everybody <laughs> is trying to get after that Popeye's. But I might want to have that. But you kind of, you don't really want to say that's what you want. Break it you, to that stereotype. <laughs> exactly. Black people eat chicken. But I, I do. I know I do. Well, I right? do too. I tear it up. <laughs> so, but again, we're talking about this code switching piece, right? 
it can become tiring if you're constantly doing things that you don't necessarily want to do or you're just trying to fit in. Again, that can weigh on you quite a bit. I think the last part of this is employees who feel pressure to coach, which may perceive that they are being devalued to some degree, Mm -hmm. you know, which may reduce their commitment to the company and their desire to contribute their insights. Yeah. Now, look, man, I done been at some companies and I did not really want to be there. I I know that they were probably happy when I left because I damn sure was happy when I left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, but it was some of those situations where, Again, I just got tired of kind of playing the games from time yep. to time. But and it was before we had this this reckoning, you know, that yeah, we see sure. today where sure. people weren't even moved to try to understand other cultures or other mm-hmm. value streams or anything like that. It was like, this is the way it's supposed to be. And either you get on or you yeah. get off the track. Yeah. And it reminds me going back to that episode that we did with Andre about Hispanic employees and the pressure to assimilate. Yeah. Uh, constantly and just kind of leave their culture behind and then you just start contributing but there's a whole big ass market out there that we aren't tapping into because people aren't valuing now think about that that not if that's not pressure (laughs) if that's not pressure keith man again i value your ability to kind of uncover and to break things down even more than this because again people are like man they just talking we always talk they just bringing up shit stories. that don't really that's their truth but that's not necessarily the truth right, right? Mm-hmm. so keith why don't you just go ahead and just break it down for them let's just start hitting them with some of these receipts some of these man. receipts here we go today so just to summarize we'll provide a couple receipts on why people actually code switch and then we'll also share some research on some positive and negative outcomes of code switching. So for this uh, first receipt, there was some research that was collected by the Harvard Business Review that suggests code switching often occurs in spaces where negative stereotypes of black people run counter to what is considered appropriate behaviors or norms for a specific environment. We've talked about that a little bit, right? It's like you have to act a certain way, present yourself a certain way, and if you don't do that, then you could be in trouble. And it, you know, and it, it further talked about, they did some research in schools that suggested black students selectively code switch between quote unquote standard English in the classroom and African-American vernacular English with their peers. Ebonics. Ebonics. <laughs> AKA, you know, the African-American vernacular English. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so really that switching between both of those worlds, it kind of elevates on both sides, your social standing with that group, right? And researchers, we talked about the talk. Researchers saw examples where encouraging black people to code switch, you had to do it to survive police interactions. Yeah. Acting polite, being respectful, avoiding running, keeping your hands yeah. up high, invisible. All of those things are is forms of code switching where Black employees and even other unrepresented employees are being forced to conform to a norm that is put in place by the majority. That's powerful. I mean, and that's that's textbook. Yep. That's textbook. Like mm-hmm. to us, we do it all of the time. All the time. There's research behind why we even do it. Right. So I appreciate that receipt. For sure. Receipt number two came from the same Harvard Business Review research where it found that, number one, Black employees with high career aspirations for leadership and promotional opportunities actively avoided conforming to black stereotypes to a higher degree than those with lower career aspirations. There you go. 
I mean, so if you don't want to move up the ladder, you just kind of show your ass. But if you want to move up, you, you mm-hmm. have to play the game. Yeah, play the game. Yeah, play the game. Right? That's right. And the second part of that is black employees who perceived that they fit, and I'm using my rabbit ears mm-hmm. here, fit in their organization, also reported downplaying their race and promoting shared interests with the dominant group members, mm-hmm. meaning I'm not a threat. Yes, that's right. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to worry about me. About me. I'm going to do what I can to make you feel comfortable. Exactly. Right? And again, we're talking about, there's a bit of an art to this, right? Like, so it's not like everybody's running around, and I know we're talking about the Uncle Tom's and the- Right. That's not it. Yeah. That's not it. That's not it at all. We're talking about chess. Yes. Not checkers. Exactly. You know, and you're trying to figure out, because at some point- they're going to need and rely on you. And just think about it, just this year alone, how many, and just to our listeners, how many of your white or other counterparts have come to you seeking your counsel or advice on how to navigate through these tumultuous times? Yep, that's right. <laughs> and you know what I yep, mean? And, yep. and that's because of them not necessarily feeling threatened by you where they're seeking your guidance or asking for help. Mm-hmm. But again, this is part of the code switching dilemma. Absolutely. You know, I'm thinking of a funny example in my head, Ricky, to, to bring this point in about fitting in and yep. this conversation. I'm going to use playing cards. <laughs> okay. Right? You just think about it. As a black person, we have to know about poker and gin rummy yep. and some of these other games card playing games you think white people know about spades and bid whiz no and all of a sudden you bring it up and they're like what is that i've never heard of that before <laughs> exactly <laughs> they yeah no. i mean i'm making fun of it but this is the whole thing about having a fit so we have to be up on all of the games yeah we have to know double of them and, and don't <laughs> don't start talking about dominoes right oh lord don't start talking about dominoes because they're standing around there like like you're speaking a totally different, totally language, different language, you know? Yes. They don't know about Fever in the Funk House. They don't know about that one, man. Let me tell you, man. They don't know about the three sisters. That's right. They don't know about any of that. But look, man, let's hit them with receipt number three, man. This yeah. is some good stuff. Man. Yeah, this, this is, is also stuff. good stuff. So another receipt. So this, again, we just talked about the reasons why people code switch. I just want to say that there are negative consequences to this code switching just in terms of of mental health. In a recent article in uh, the Human Resources Executive Magazine, psychotherapist uh, Asha Terry, she talked about she's been treating mental stress in black people for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And she said for black employees in particular, this mental stress manifests itself into sleep disorders, chronic illness, anxiety, overeating, overworking, and depression. And compounding black employees' stress is that we tend to see engaging our employer for help as being weak or fragile or just another way to be further marginalized in the group if you even talk about how stressed we are. Damn. So, like, we we talked about this earlier. Remember we, we were did. talking about, we like, early on. And I'm saying getting that mental help, that saved my life. Saved your life. Like, because you think about it, when you're a young employee— when you're trying to figure this shit out. That's right. You know, you're like, am I crazy? Right. When you can sit there and have some talk therapy, it helps. But talking about her 20 years of treating mental stress. Yeah. You know, this sister knows. She knows. She has experience. She has experience and she sees it every day. And it validates. And it totally validates. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. It's going on. And I mean, 
and the barbershop and the hair salon and church ain't going to help all of that. <laughs> right, right, right. At the end of the day. Exactly. Fascinating, man. So in the last receipt here, receipt number four, in an article entitled A Study in Blackness, what is acting black? So basically, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Right. And that's in the in the Atlanta Black Star. The author illustrates that there is no shame in code switching either, right? So this is a bit different. I know we've been yeah, talking about some yeah, things. That's a positive side. But, but I want to give you a different type of a receipt today. And here's an excerpt from the article to show the power in what we do, like the power of being able to code switch. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to, and I, and I urge you all to go in and read the, the article itself. It's a quick read, mm-hmm. but this really struck me and I wanted to make sure that I recited this for you all today. But she states in here, the knowledge reflected in my speech is the reverberation of my people. The passion I exhibit is the uncorked angst of generations trapped in a nation with no name. My voice is vindication for silence. My audacity is passion, letting you know that blackness cannot be bought, bossed, or owned anymore. I am a black woman with diverse experiences. If my mouth makes me act white, then my passion makes me act Muslim. My hunger makes me act Italian. My spirit makes me act Spanish. And my beauty makes me black. Mm, mm, mm. Hot fire, man. Hot fire. I'm telling you, at the end of the day, there is a certain power that we possess in being able to code switch. Yes. It is not bad. It is not something to be ashamed of at the end of the day. I think that if you have the ability to do this, Mm -hmm. you can kind of go back and forth. Absolutely. My great-grandmother was so fair-skinned, people used to think she was white. Yeah, yeah. They used to think she was white. Mm -hmm. And the respect I remember seeing her be able to get was so different. But again, part of that code switching was it opened her up to avenues or doors that maybe we wouldn't have been able to see, but she was able to pass that down. Pass it down, pass the knowledge. So we're talking about this knowledge that's going on for generations for Mm -hmm. us. So many of us might be doing this and we don't even know it. It helps you through. That's that's what we're trying to do here at Secrets, right? We're trying (laughs) to help help pass our knowledge along. Right. So let's talk a little bit about Secrets. We got a few here for you. Today, we got a double dose, as we mentioned. First, I'll share four secrets we'll share with you on how we as individuals can tackle code switch network, and then we'll share secrets about what corporations can do with code switching. To summarize the four secrets that we'll talk about that each of us individuals can do, first, we'll share a secret for white employees, which is basically check yourself. For black employees, we'll also share how to be strategic with code switching. Thirdly, we'll talk about how to evaluate your environment and company values. And lastly, we'll share a secret around self-evaluation, self-reflection, and the business case. So secret number one is really going out to all my white colleagues. So white employees, you need to be self-aware. Think about areas of yourself that you hide from the workplace. We all have stuff going on, and we all don't bring our full selves to work. But think about those areas where you're hiding stuff that you're not bringing to the work. Mm-hmm. Right. And think about the layers of those things that 
employees of color, LGBTQ employees and others aren't bringing to work. But if you self-reflect and bring those things that you're hiding to the table and start to share those, that starts to build trust and dialogue for others to be able to do that. Also, check your biases. When you start to compare, quote unquote, a good black person to a bad black person, (laughs) start to ask yourself why. When you're starting to look at people's hair texture and color and stuff like that, ask yourself why. Why are you doing that? And the same goes for gender, sexual orientation, et cetera. Start to challenge your biases and ask yourself, why are these thoughts coming into your head when you see certain people? Now, again, this is probably new muscle that needs to be built yes. for people. Because, again, when we're talking about this this self-discovery process, sometimes you don't even know you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't realize you were doing it. But right. all of us got a family member that ain't good with their money. Yep. All of us got somebody that's teetering on the auspices of addiction, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. We all get it, but we don't necessarily talk about it. Absolutely. But we're code switching to try to make it sound like we all got it together. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know exactly. What I'm saying? And mm-hmm. we don't. You know what I mean? We so don't. again, what you say resonates as we're talking about, you know, be self-aware mm-hmm. and whatnot. Secret number two, black employees need to be strategic. It's a necessary evil to climb the ladder. But you don't have to sacrifice your soul. Nope, you don't have you to don't. sell out. You can show a little flair, a little swag, and still keep it professional. Absolutely. There is an art to this. There's an art to this. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. But be strategic. I mean, because again, at some point, it's really not about what you know. It's about who you know. Yep. Okay. And people have to feel comfortable being able to come to you For sure. with some of their issues. And you'd be amazed, even at the C-suite level, People have situations and scenarios that they need help figuring out. Yep. So why not be that go-to person that they can come to and get help from you? That's right. That's, <laughs> you know, it's totally right. Get some right. advice and counsel from you. That's right. It's totally right. And how you show up in the room, we talk about that little flair, that little swag. It's okay to have a little pop of color. You can inch it up just a little bit. Don't go overboard, but it's cool. It's cool. Yep. Right? Just to give yourself a little confidence as you're walking into the room. Secret number three, for your mental health and sanity, you must have some level of comfort at work, right? You, you got to be comfortable walking in the door. It can't be every day like, damn, here again. Coming in this motherfucker. Coming again. in this thing, right? <laughs> and so I, I tell my mentees a lot, you really need to evaluate whether or not your values are highly aligned with the company or not. Because if they're not aligned, you're going to be co-switching all day. And we've already talked about it. It's going to wear your ass out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even even before you get in the door, like when you're interviewing or onboarding, and even internally when you're switching teams, assess the environment that you're moving into and make sure that you're comfortable. Make sure that you feel comfortable that you're going to be able to navigate everything that's going on while you're being true as much as you can to yourself Right. at the end of the day, right? Because if your values aren't aligning with what's going on, you ain't going to be happy, period. <laughs> the, walls gonna be start, long day. the walls will start closing in. That's right. Yep. Nah, that's a great one, Keith. That's yep. a great one. Finally, secret number four, evaluate whether or not the cost is too high. Mm-hmm. We always talk about the cost of admission. Yes. What is the ROI or the return on your investment, your, your personal or physical or mental investment of you code switching? You need to really understand and be comfortable as to why you're code switching and staying in situations that require you to do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You can't walk around mad at the world. 
okay. all the time. You can't do it, man. You can't walk around mad at the world, right? So you have to figure out um, whether or not the cost of this is too high for you or not. Yeah. Again, and, and we kind of go back to it. I'm not saying this is right. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But if you want to move up, yep. you have to figure out how to how to get yourself into the executive circles. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we've talked about it. The receipts show it. Most of these people probably don't look like you as an underrepresented employee. They don't. We've talked about that. So you have to figure out how to come up with something where makes you be able to fit in to that. And I think the answer to that sometimes is being able to properly or effectively code switch. Yes, absolutely. And so those are all secrets that we wanted to share that you as individuals can do. And now we'll share three secrets that organizations can take to tackle the prevalence of code switching in the workplace. The first one is companies need to conduct a cultural assessment of your organization to determine why people feel like they need to code switch and unable to be authentic at work. Right. And especially in today's age where we've had this long, hot summer of social unrest, the political climate of all of this division. And everything mm-hmm. that's going on, this is really a great time for companies to kind of step back, assess their culture, figure out why people are kind of where they're at and why they're not comfortable and not able to be um, themselves at work. Outstanding. I mean, I think that's a that's <laughs> that's a key a key piece. And I know it sounds simple, mm-hmm. but corporate America, this is what you have to do. Yeah. Okay. Secret number two for corporate America is. Increase representation at all levels of your organization. Mm-hmm. Companies need to look at race, gender, age profile, sexual orientation, national origin, all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, look, we got Gen Z. They're yep. coming in here younger and younger, mm-hmm. younger and younger. And they see things much differently than totally. we do. I mean, it's like, you know, talking to your parents and trying to help you with your homework. And they're like, baby, I had the old math. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. again, you got to increase your representation to stay afloat, you know, there. The last secret that I'll throw in, which is kind of tandem to this one here for corporate America is corporate America needs to double down on inclusion and equity, not just diversity. Improving representation is just a start, but not sufficient by itself. Preach. It's important for people to see folks who look like them. And look, man, we just coming off of this monumental democratic win, regardless of what you affiliate with in terms of politics, yeah. and this is internationally, not just in the U.S., but internationally. I think the fact that we have a sister, a Our woman of woman vice color, president. vice president, you can be what you can see. Yep. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and this is important as we start talking about the code switching thing. Because, I mean, I can tell you, I can remember when... uh watching just some of the debates, she was kind of getting in their ass a little yes, bit. Yes, yes, You know she what was. I'm saying? She was. <laughs> like, she was. But, but again, this takes it back to the whole corporate America piece yes. here where we got to double down on inclusion and equity For as sure. it relates to For that. sure. And I think a, a part of that too is that we know she's going to have a seat at the table. She's not going to be in a side hustle, dead end job. She's going to be <laughs> at the table, making decisions and moving the needle for which is probably the most important part of that. And that's the equity and inclusion part, as opposed to just being sitting there as a as a speck. Yeah. I mean, look, in this role, she is not a token. That's right. OK, she is not a prop. 
She is not a statistic. That's right. <laughs> you know, I bet you my man will remember how to say her name the next time. I bet he will. <laughs> but you know, Keith, look, man, this has been like an outstanding conversation, man. I was pretty worked up before we got started over here. For sure. I got this cup extra spicy today <laughs> so that I can make sure we got it. But look, I appreciate our listeners for tuning in. Look, go on LinkedIn, friend us on there or like us, whatever you want to do, join the group. I mean, we're going at over 400 strong, man. And we just started that page yep. about a month and a half, yeah, two months ago. Yeah. So we want to try to get to 500, man, by the end of November. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> tell them, Sam, we want to try to get to <laughs> 500 by the end of uh, November. That's right. And the holidays are coming up. So go look at our merchandise. It'll be a nice little present for your friends and family. And thank you to some of our folks who have sent some emails to us. And we're a little slow on it, but we got, we are going to get timely on responding to those emails. But I did see some of the pictures that people sent of them getting their mugs, their masks, yes. you know, their sweatshirts. It's, it's like, cold again, outside. if there's something that you would like to see or some ideas, just shoot it to us. For sure. You know, just, just shoot it. Or if there's topics that you'd like us for to us talk to be able about. to talk about, let us know. Let us know. And again, the other thing that I'll say is if you want us to speak at your events, the ERGs, the employee resource groups mm -hmm. or affinity groups, whatever it is, just reach out to us. That's right. I We're mean, happy. this is what we do. We're happy this to is, do it. This is what we do. We're happy to do it. Well, Ricky, I just have to say this. One language that we all understand and don't have to code switch on is I'll have another. Yeah. And. I don't have any time. ice. I'm shaking my cup there and you, you can't hear no ice. <laughs> <That's right>. so, <laughs> so, hey, I appreciate your listeners. We love you guys love and you. we will uh, definitely keep this fire coming for you. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in and until uh, next time. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening today. Hopefully you gained a secret or two that can be applied as your journey continues. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, and donate via Patreon. Check us out at www.secrets.com to get more information about our secret services. Until next time, cheers! Cheers!